Hello and welcome to Horror Court Trash Ever, the show that discusses all the masterpieces and trash to pieces of genre cinema. My name's Chris. I'm Gary. And this week we are still in January, which feels like a very long month, as January usually does. That's a good thing when we're talking about classics of Japanese cinema. Yeah, you may recall the classics we spoke about last week. Attack All Monsters and Gamera Super Monster. <laughs> well, one of them was a classic trash to piece. Well, yes. But yes. <laughs> we, this week we were going to be discussing the female Prisoner Scorpion franchise. And we said that on the last episode. We announced it at the start of the month. Um, but being the professionals that we are... Should I say I am? I, I usually try and source all this stuff once we make the decisions of what we're talking about. Uh, we were going to do Female Prisoner Scorpion through the years, but if we were to do it, we would have only been discussing one year, because I didn't realise how difficult it was to get hold of the rest of the franchise. I have to admit, I didn't realise the franchise was as long as it was. Yeah, so the first four starred Miko Kaji, and those were the ones I assume you thought we were going to be discussing. And yes. Yeah. Um... But yeah, no, it, it goes on for like four more films after that. But as much as you can get Female Prison Scorpion on Arrow Blu-ray, which we highly recommend, uh, the other four have not been released in the UK yet. So difficult for us to get hold of. So we have a substitute. Yeah, and I think it's doing a little bit of disservice to call it a substitute. Yes. But it is. It was going to be a choice anyway. It was Absolutely. One of my favourite films... From Japan. One of the films that really introduced me to Japanese cinema is Battle Royale from 2000. It is. The and year 2000. Very surprising that it's one of your favourite films, considering it contains all three of the things that pissed the both of us off. CGI blood, CGI fire and day for night shooting. <laughs> oh, that's very true. That's very true, this, but it makes it work. Yeah, this, this film can get away with it. It's okay. Yes. If it's done right, then uh, I can forgive. <laughs> I didn't realize. I, I just realized now. Yeah, day for night. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Kai, I didn't think it was day for night. I thought it was meant to be uh, daybreak. No, confirmed day oh. for night. Oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> but yeah, no. But it, it gets away with it. And I somehow... suppose when you're filming on a cliff edge, yeah, maybe it's best not to do it well, in pitch black. Yeah, I mean, it gets away with it. It still looks yeah. good. Um, and yeah, the film is actually a massive part of pop culture history, but I actually have a list of, uh, of films that it influenced or films that it was referenced in coming up in within the trivia, but it goes beyond films. Like I know it inspired certain comic books and manga, you know, video games and, and so on just over the years. Uh, I feel like this is up there as one of the most well-known Japanese films out there. Yeah, no, absolutely. But it's a cult film. It's it's a cult film rather than, you know, despite all that popularity, it's it's all been built through a cult following. Yeah, no, yeah, no, I completely agree. It's one of those films like my mum has no idea yeah. it exists. Um, so it's not a huge I think it was a quite successful in Japan. One of the top ten highest grossing films in Japan. At the box office. Yeah. But I mean on our our in the Western world it would be seen as a cool film. Yeah. Um, well, it's directed by Kinji Fukusaku, 
uh, who made uh, the Japanese sequences for Tara Tara Tara. Okay. Tara Tara Tara. Tara Tara Tara. Tara Tara Tara. Um, Battle Royale 2, Requiem. The first eight minutes, um, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. But we may have to come back to that because I don't know if it's podcast-worthy film for the right reasons or the wrong reasons. Mm. Um, Omaka, The Triple Cross, Shaw Death Revenge, A Chaos of Flowers, Legend of the Eight Samurai, Fall Guy, the 1982 one, not that Fall Guy, Lovers Lots, and more. And written by Kenta Fukusaku. Uh, director of Ken and Mary, The Asian Truck Express, Map of Summer Vacation. We can't change the world, but we want to build a school in Cambodia. Right. That, that's these, the name of a film. I'm, uh, I'm not making a statement. Are there. these Fallout Boy singles? <laughs> yeah. Black Rat, Perfect Education, Made for You, M A I D, Made. Um, Kiru, and more. Uh, right. Also, the co director of Battle Royale 2. And based on the novel by Koshin Takami. Yes, yes, so based on a novel. Yeah. Um, budget, $4.5 million, and it made $30.6 million worldwide. I When they say worldwide, I think that's very much America. I think that's the American box office, um, because I assume it made a lot more than that in Japan. Yeah, yeah. It's a difficult one. With inflation and... Yeah, and, and with box office, yeah, it's always a bit like, really? It only made £8.50? Well, many members of the Japanese parliament actually tried to get the novel banned, uh, mm. but to no avail. So when the film was released, they attempted to ban that also. Both efforts resulted in the novel and the film becoming even more successful as people brought a book and went to the movies to see what the fuss was all about. Yes, which seems to be the story every time something like this happens. Yeah. People try to ban something and it just makes people want to see it more. And that's how it became a cult film. Yes. Uh, since its release, it's been reformatted for 3D. There is a 3D version out there. Yeah, unfortunately not seen. No. Um, in 2012, The Independent included it in its 10 best sports movies ever made list. Sports movie? Technically. Not really? I mean, technically. I mean, you you know, people are... Uh, they are... Um, you know, competing against each other. I suppose. For one winner, the sport being killing each other. Yeah. But yeah, it's still sport. Yeah. Yeah, well, really. Best, best sports film ever made. Um, and also, it's Is gone it on the to... best sports film ever made? Or what is? No, I'm thinking. We're not sports inclined here on Horror Court Trash Over. Rollerball. We've... Rollerball was good. Um, yeah. Can we think of any more sports films? Shit. Um, Rocky. <laughs> Rocky. Rocky was good. I liked Rocky. Yes, we are homosexuals. Um, and it also influenced and or referenced in. Now remember, I said and or referenced. So somebody tells it has not influenced, but it's been referenced in them. Kill Bill, Shaun of the Dead, The Hunger Games, Slashers. Thank you for smoking. Juno. Wrong Term Two. The Hunger Games, again, I put it in there twice. The Hunt, Kaiji, The Insight Mill, The Condemned, The Most Dangerous Game, Kill Theory, The Tournament, The Purge, Kick-Ass, Gamer, Mayhem, The Barco Experiment, Ready or Not, Assassination Nation, and Squid Game. That's only, I mean, there might even be more. Uh, but this is highly influential because 
it's one of those premises that it's so easy to imitate. Um, yeah, well, the most dangerous game I heard you say. There, yeah, well, that was originally a Fay Ray film from the thirties. Oh, okay. So the idea of you know people being hunted for sports mm. in this kind of situation it did exist. Yeah, you know, the most dangerous game, uh, turkey shoot. Yeah, you know, films like that. But this kind of premise where it's a competition mm. and everyone's out for each other, mm -hmm. I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but the way it was done in this film hadn't really been done before. No. Or, or in the novel, let's say. Mm. The way it's done in the novel hadn't been done before that point. Yeah. And it doesn't matter how much... What's her name? Suzanne... What's her name? Suzanne Collins? Suzanne Collins. From... However much she says that the Hunger Games just came to her. Susan Collins? What's... Who? Oh, Hunger oh. Games? I thought you were going to reference Jennifer Lawrence then for a no. second. No. Oh, the original Whoever, whoever wrote the Hunger Games. Whoever wrote... I think it... Oh, Suzanne Collins may have written something else. But anyway, I've never read it and I've never watched the Hunger Games. But however much she says, oh, the idea just came to me out of nowhere... She must have, there must have been some story about Battle Royale. She'd read a review or something because you know it's oddly specific, isn't it? Very it is, similar and I know what you're from thinking. what I gather. I know what the listeners are thinking. No, we did not just choose this film so we can make the joke again about Jennifer Lawrence being the first female <laughs> action star <laughs> no. of all time. Um, but yes, this did influence the film where Jennifer Lawrence was the first female action star of all time. Well, you say that, but the author of the Hunger Games books says that she had absolutely no idea yeah, that this film existed, or the original novel. She had no it's, idea it's, it existed. I mean, yeah, no, it's, it's impossible. Massive coincidence, if, if that is the case. Mm, I mean, stranger things have happened, but I don't, I don't think. Yeah. Should we talk get herself out of a lawsuit, I think. <laughs> Well, we've spoken about the films where you can see this film's influence or references. Should we talk about... Well, what's your history with the film? With the film? I had it recommended to me by an old band's drummer many, many, many years ago. Um, but I'd never seen it. And it was always on my watch list. Like, I've, I think I owned it near enough straight after I was recommended it. And I just never got around to watching it until I met you. And then I watched it. Yeah, for me... But it was definitely a word-of-mouth film. Like, it, yeah, it, definitely. Yeah, at yeah. the time. Despite how popular it's, it's become now, at the time, um, in and this is like late 2000s when I first heard of it, it was very much word-of-mouth back then. Yeah, well, for me, I'd, I'd, early 2000s, I'd heard of Issue the Killer, and I was obsessed with watching Issue the Killer. Obsessed with it. Mm -hmm. So I did my research. I was IMDb, and as... I discovered many films back in the day. I went through IMDb. Who was in this? Who starred in that? Six Degrees of Separation. You know, whatever Japanese films are similar to Takeshi Miike's films. And Battle Royale kept coming up. Mm -hmm. You know, you must see, must see this, must see this. And uh, it was on Film 4 here in the UK one yeah. evening. And I watched it and I genuinely thought it was one of the best things I'd ever seen. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh my God, I'm obsessed. Yeah. I loved it. And still do to this day, however many times I've watched it. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely one of those I, I wish I'd watched sooner. Mm, yeah. So, yeah, shoulda, woulda, coulda. Should we talk about who's in it? In a section we like to call, hey, I'm 
Two episodes left. Learn it in Japanese. Why don't you? Because you're the one who introduces it. <laughs> well, why don't you introduce it for once? No, it's your thing. It's your thing. And you're trying to learn Japanese anyway, so... <laughs> Very slowly. <laughs> this is your first first task. Tatsuya Fujiwara plays Shuya Nanahara, uh, star of Death Note, Noise, The Method of Repulsing the Dove, The Sun Does Not Move, School Police, The Miracle of Crybaby Shotan, The Kaiji Trilogy, and more. Which Death Note? The one that everybody hated on Netflix? No, no, no. no. Hold up. Um... Aki Maida plays Nariko Nakagawa, who was uh, she was in Samurai Gangsters, The Cat Returns, Woman of Rumor, Copy Face, The Man Who Was Erased, The Kindergarten Detective. I recognise that name. Sounds similar to something else. Kindergarten Cop. <laughs> Linda, 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 and more. Yes, Linda, Linda, Linda. I don't know if that's what the band's named after. No, Linda, Linda, Linda. Is it? Oh, they might have been actually named after the. Uh... It's, it's what I'm thinking, the, the band uh, film. The film? Before the Lindas. Oh, or yeah. Was it the, oh, very confusing. But yeah. Uh, <laughs> Taro Yamamoto plays Shogo Kawada. They're in Moonchild, Get Up, My Way, The House of the Rising Sun, Map of Summer Vacation, Eden, The Millennial Rapture, Castle and the Fiery Skies, and more. It's a shame a lot of films I've never heard of. Yeah. Um, well, you will recognise a certain film from this person's filmography. Um, Chiaki Kuriyama plays Takako Shigusa. And she was in Kill Bill Volume 1 and 2. Oh. Full Metal Alchemist, Vinyl Transmutation. 24 Japan, Blade of the Immortal, The Last Mission, A Sower of Seeds 2, Library Wars, and more. Nice. Yeah. Kill Bill. And... Uh, Someone I don't have on uh, Hey I Know You, but a nice little fact. The director offered the role of Yoshitoki Kurinobu to popular rock vocalist Caillou from Doran Gray. But Caillou's management was like, no, nah, that's not fucking happening. Any idea who? No, no. I don't. Oh, no, I thought you may unfortunately. Have. No, I feel like I should. But no. And then obviously Takeshi Kitano from Hannah Bai, Johnny Munon, uh, Mnemonic. Johnny Mnemonic. Johnny Mnemonic. Keanu Reeves film. Yes. Merry Christmas, Mr. Lawrence. Satoshi. Violent Cop. Ghost in the Shell. The that, that version oh of Ghost in the Shell. Go Go Second Time Virgin. Um, <laughs> Which <laughs> a title. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever that means. Um, also, <laughs> in lots of stuff, lots of stuff. Very, very prolific, very famous. I know him from Takeshi's Castle. Nice. Because that was his castle. And I yes, used to watch I, I, that I, yeah. religiously. Yeah. So did I. So I can't believe I didn't know that. There we go. <laughs> so now it's time for our feature presentation. <laughs> Shigatsu no ka, Saikido. 
We start with uh, a voiceover that informs us at the dawn of the millennium, the nation collapsed at 15% unemployment, 10 million were out of work, 800,000 pupils, 800, pupils boycotted school and juvenile crime rates soared. Adults had lost all confidence and now fearing the youth, they eventually passed the law, the Millennium Education Reform Act, aka the BR Act. The Battle Royale Act. Yeah. So what do you have to say about the political commentary in this film? Yeah, it's it's interesting. Mm -hmm. It's interesting because it is influenced by uh, a time of um, students being angry. Mm -hmm. You know, in, in Japan, yeah. specifically. But students revolting against the system mm -hmm. and it's definitely an answer to that yeah and the idea you know and it's something that resonates with us mm -hmm. a lot now as well the idea of the gen the generation before us leaving things in a worse state than yeah. how they found it yeah, I was going to say, it definitely resonates to modern day. It's, it's aged very well. Yeah. Um, a, it's very relatable now, um, despite being made in 2000. Yeah, absolutely. So it, it just goes to show that this has been an issue for a long yeah. time now. You know, the the idea and that, you know, the youth are in many ways angry. Yeah. At how the world has been left mm -hmm. for them. And the generation before, not to sound too wanky, but the uh, the uh, boomers, mm -hmm. as they, they're called on TikTok, the boomers, uh, the boomers blame the kids. Yeah. They blame the Gen X. Mm -hmm. They blame the millennials and now Gen Z. Yeah. And it's their fault. Yeah. And so this, the idea is that they create this act, mm -hmm. this act that essentially is children killing each other, you know, because these are kids, these are yeah. school kids, these kids killing each other is just indicative of the power that they have. Mm -hmm. Like they have so much power that they are able to do this. Yeah. Then why is all their issues being blamed on the kids? Exactly. Like yeah. why? Why is why is their issues while they don't respect us? Mm -hmm. You know, and it, it still resonates now. Yeah, definitely still resonates now. Yeah. So yeah, I mean the, the game um, to sum it up just takes a random class of delinquent students, sends them to the battle royale games where only one survivor gets to make it out alive. Middle school student Shuya Nahara copes with life after his father committed suicide and one day in the middle of school year their teacher katano resigns after being knife wounded by uh kuninobu uh, who is shoya's best friend yeah and uh, it's interesting because the film doesn't shy away from the suicide no of uh nanahara's father it's weird and weird in only a way that Asian cinema can get away with in the way that he, like the way they showed a suicide like the soundtrack to it is kind of contradicting what the scene is and the fact that he's got his trousers down as well 
could be seen as oddly comical. And his suicide note is written on toilet paper. Yeah, it's all written on toilet paper. And it's it's very much like, go Shuya, go Shuya. Like, it's not... Yeah, it's just... It's very weird, but kind of works because of how weird it is. Spoiler alert, it kind of... It's kind of... Pushes Shuya forward. Yeah. In a way. Like, he feels like... It feels like his father has killed himself to give Shoya a better opportunity. Yeah. And he's saying, well, go for it now. I'm not holding you back. Yeah. Because his father is struggling. Mm-hmm. And we see that later in the film. And we see it throughout the film in flashbacks. But his father is struggling. He yeah. is unemployed. He, is, he isn't available. Uh, he isn't... Um, he isn't able to help Shoya in the way that he wants to. Mm-hmm. And in many ways, his suicide, he believes, yeah. in some way, frees Shoya of having to deal with him. Yeah. And deal with his hangups and deal with his stuff. Mm-hmm. And Shoya is free to go, Shoya, go. Yeah. Um, I think it's obviously quite interesting that... It's said later in the film that all the parents signed waivers to say that this is okay. Yeah. For all their kids to go on an island mm-hmm. and kill each other. Yeah. They've signed waivers to say this is fine. Mm-hmm. Well, obviously, Shoya's didn't because he no. he was already dead. Yeah. So it'd be interesting to know what Shoya's father would think of all of this. Yeah. Him also being a victim of the, you know, political landscape at the time. Mm-hmm. And him being one of these unemployed people yeah. struggling. Yeah, what's interesting to me is the fact that with Shoya and many of the characters in this film, they're actually really interesting and well-written, which is a miracle considering how many characters are in this film. Yes, yeah. So uh, let's get it out. We, I know we say it every single episode. Our pronunciation is not going to be the best. But also, there are a lot of characters in this film. And some of them are referred to by their first names. Some are referred to by their surnames. I I have to admit, I got very mixed up as to <laughs> how to refer to them by their first name or their second name. But we sh- there should be a little bit of consistency here, I feel. Yeah. I feel like we're If you've okay. seen it, you know who we're on about. Yeah, I feel if you've seen it, we know you know who we're on about. If you haven't seen it, what are you doing? Go and watch it. Yeah. <laughs> Pause this episode and go and, listen, go and watch the film. Gary may refer to someone by a different name that I refer to them yeah. as. Because the film also does it that way as well. Yeah, so after the uh, after the knife attack, one of Shuya's classmates, Noriko, picks up the knife and secretly keeps it in her possession. One year later, Shoya's ca- uh, class believe they're taking a field trip, but instead they're gassed and taken to a remote island. Yeah, so before they're gassed, the students are acting very innocently on the bus. They're giggling, they're flirting, they're taking photos, sharing cookies with their crushes. So it, the film does something very interesting in that these kids are being treated as adults yeah in terms of being forced to be violent against each other mm-hmm. but we when we see them and it's something that keeps coming up these secret crushes these 
very juvenile sort of things, it's something that comes up a lot, is that these are kids. Yeah. It doesn't forget to remind you that these are kids mm-hmm. and that this is shocking. Yeah. You know, trust and believe, you know, this is horror culture I shiver. We love a good death scene. Mm-hmm. But there's an emotion attached to these. Yeah. Because we realise how young the kids are. Uh-huh. Really. And they don't necessarily look it. You know, obviously, you know, labour laws, all the actors were probably over the age of yeah, yeah. what they're playing. So then the script and the screenplay has to do the work yeah. in that sense. And it's scenes like this that really establish that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think this is something that all of the imitators that have come after this have failed to understand. Uh, that That's what made this work so well, is this portrayal that these are all kids. And again, like I said before, the well-written and interesting characters, a lot of the films that have followed this, I mean, not so much The Hunger Games, but the ones that have done it mainly for a body count and a bit of gore, have just thrown characters out there to get killed. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And there's plenty of those in here, yeah. but... There's also a fair amount that you actually give a shit about. Yeah, and it, it's nuanced as well. So it's not necessarily painting anyone as 100% innocent or 100% guilty. Mm-hmm. So it's the idea that, yes, these are very immature kids. These, But, you know, he did stab him. Yeah. It's, it's that grey area mm-hmm. that makes it interesting. Yeah. Because it could be looked at in different ways. It'd be like, well, yeah, I would be angry if someone stabbed me in the arse mm-hmm. and got away with it. Yeah. You know, that would make me angry. But would I send them, everyone in the class, to an island to kill each other? Mm-hmm. Because for every person, every one of these kids that's seen as bad, there's lots of them who are seen as good. Yeah. And wholesome. And, you know, they're victims too. Then mm-hmm. why are they sent to this island? Yeah. And it's it's very interesting. And it is. It's nuanced as well, because you can watch this film as, oh my God, he got his head cut off. Mm-hmm. Gnarly. Or you could watch it like, oh wow, this is a fascinating look at, you know, society in the year 2000. That still resonates now. Yeah. 22, three years later. Yeah. Gitano, the teacher, reappears surrounded by... Did you... Sorry, just... Did you not realise... Uh, did you not realise... Did you not notice the uh, the woman that was dressed as a stewardess? Yeah. So Shoya... The, the gas doesn't quite work on Shoya. So he gets a smack around the head from a woman dressed like a stewardess. But she's... I think she was absolutely slaying in person. No, she was. It was a great gas mask. Outfit. Yeah. <laughs> it was a great outfit. Uh-huh. Air stewardess. Yeah. But it was a great outfit. <laughs> Katano, the uh, teacher, reappeared surrounded by JSDF soldiers, explaining that the class was chosen to participate in the annual Battle Royale as a result of the act. And they have three days to fight to the death until a victor emerges... Uh, explosive collars will kill uncooperative students or those of in designated danger zones. Yeah, so Katano informs uh, Kuninobu of how much it hurt when he stabbed him in the ass. Yes. <laughs> Just a bit funny. Uh, he also reminds him about when uh, Kuninobu, uh, that he was, 
Yeah, so he, he also reminds him of the time where he told him that he was no good and probably shouldn't have gone to school anyway. Mm-hmm. So the idea is that he was like, well, you're thick. Yeah. You know, as a teacher, you're thick, you're stupid. Why do you even come to school anyway? Assuming that this happened before the stabbing. Mm-hmm. And it's it's an interesting one because it's the idea that if you're telling someone that they're no good, if you're telling someone that they're hopeless, especially as an authority figure mm-hmm. in an, in the education system, what does that mean? It, it Does it excuse a stab to the arse? No. No. But have you in some way created this situation yeah. Yeah. by not being as supportive as you could? Yeah, there's an interesting way of looking at it. And we all, yeah, and, and we all know someone you know, really, who's been let down by the education system. Yeah. These huge classes, you know, this one, what, how many of them? Like Lots. 30, yeah. 37. Um, you know, these huge classes, people are going to get left out. People are, you know, not going to get the support that they could. And maybe that's why they act out. Maybe that's why they are the way they are in some you know, circumstances. Yeah. And then obviously, and it's something that the film doesn't necessarily touch on apart from the parents signing a waiver yeah. for their kids to kill each Which other. Which I think kind of tells you all you need to know anyway. About the parents, yeah. definitely. Um, Kuninobu hits Katano and is horrified when Katano responds with a slap of his own. Yeah. He is, he's horror. He's like, wait, is he allowed to do this? Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, oh, okay. And it is one of those things, and we, we see it a, a lot, and we see it especially on social media now, and uh, there's quite a famous one going around recently of a girl on a train. She's like, well, I'm a oh, kid. God. I'm a kid, and you're God. an adult. You, do you yeah. understand what I mean? Yeah. It's that kind of sensibility. Yeah. Well, I'm a kid, and you're an adult. You can't touch me, and I can say whatever I like, and you can't say whatever mm-hmm. you like. Yeah. So it's that nuance. It's yeah. that idea where actually he is a bit of a dickhead. Yeah. He is a bit of a knob. You know, and yeah, he did actually stab him. Like, yeah, is there an ex- you know, is there really an excuse for that? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, all the information they need about the uh, the battle royale act, they're uh, they're given it through a tutorial video by an absolute queen with a nose piercing, <laughs> yes. a Britney headset microphone, and uh, an orange tank top and a camouflage cap. She is giving it everything she's got. She is. She's very over the top. Uh, which is hilarious. And th- there are moments of comedy in this as well. Yeah. Very much a, a black comedy at times. And she, you'd think she was about to demonstrate, you know, the new dance craze. Yes. Yeah. When actually she's telling everyone about how they're all probably going to die. Mm-hmm. Very soon, within the next three days. Yeah. she She's absolutely giving high energy camp and it's, yeah, it's everything you could want. Hi, guys. So, some of you are going to get machine guns <laughs> yeah. and you're going to die. But one of you won't. Hooray. <laughs> uh, each student is provided rations, a map, supplies, and a random weapon or item. To prove that this is no game, Katano kills two of the students with disobedience. The first one by... Throwing a knife into a girl's fucking head. Yeah. Uh, and the other one being Kuninobu, who dies from his collar exploding. Yes. Um, which... Shocked me. It did shock me. Because I didn't know whether they would do it. Or yeah. they would wait to do it. So, I it did shock me. And also, because this was 
one of the first Japanese films that I watched uh, with like horror or violence yeah. in the spray of blood. Yeah, yeah. Which yeah. we've come to you know associate with Japanese cinema. I mean, that's the first time I saw that. Yeah, I was like, wow. Okay. Yeah, and plus, I thought he was going to last longer. That character. Yeah, well, yeah, really. But maybe he did deserve some way to be punished. Yeah, yeah. You but, know, maybe he did. But because they set him up so early, yeah. I thought he was going to go on to be uh, one of the final characters to be alive, but no. Yeah, and have an emotional moment. Like, oh, yeah. He would um, sacrifice himself. Yeah. Um, yeah, so uh, I did get a bit of dialogue here. We've notified your parents, so just go for it. Yeah. <laughs> Which, I don't know, I unintentionally or intentionally hilarious, <laughs> I did that did crack me up. And uh, one of the students says, why are you doing this? And uh, Katana says, it's your own damn fault, you don't respect adults. <laughs> there we are. So you all deserve to die. Yeah, thanks Boomer. <laughs> okay. If you can't save the next generation, just kill them off. Make, well, make them all kill each other. <laughs> make them all kill each other. Yes, true. Uh, the students disperse one by one as they get their equipment from the soldiers. Uh, initially, most students do not engage in combat, but eventually one by one they start to accept their current situation. To be honest, it doesn't really take that long before one of the students, Akamatsu, <laughs> starts going fucking crazy with a crossbow and kills another student called Tendo uh, before he's shot by another student with the crossbow. Yeah, and what you find throughout the film is a lot of the deaths occur because either one you know someone is definitely into survival mm -hmm. and wants to be killing people and yeah. wants to be number one uh with a bullet literally mm -hmm. number two extreme paranoia mm -hmm. really yeah and then number three they just don't know what the hell they're doing so yeah they just sort of go for it like yeah. just like oh um yeah okay and just start shooting and yeah like, oh, oh. Oh, I don't know. What, what am I doing? Also, we probably should mention, this is the theatrical version we're talking about uh, today. Yes, yes. Um, before we go with the original one. Uh, but there is a 2001 special edition director's cut out there as well. Yeah, there is. I mean, this is the version I know, and I've always known. Yeah. But you... you... I, I watched the director's cut yeah. first. Yeah. 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 I don't think there's a huge difference. No, I just think it's like a slight bit at the end. Yes. Um, that's mainly. the main, main difference. Um, we also get a flashback to Noriko at school. So th there are certain... Because obviously there's too many characters, you know, and this this is, you know, the film can only go on for so long. We get flashback to specific characters. Um, yeah, it's obvious these are the ones that are going to last mainly till the end. And Noriko is definitely one. And um, we get a glimpse of her past interactions with her school friends when she's locked in a toilet cubicle. And they shout, Noriko, 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 shorty, ugly, die. Mm -hmm. And it's written on the cubicle as well. So it's just this little brief moment, but we get a, an idea of yeah. Noriko as a character. She's bullied. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's, for a lot of people, very relatable. Yeah. And so we, we have feelings towards her mm -hmm. from the get-go. Yeah. You know, we're like, okay. I'm on Noriko's side. Yeah. And that's it. I, I, Noriko barely says anything throughout the film. No. Really. But just this one moment 
you know, and a great filmmaker can do that. Just this one moment gives us all the story we need. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't feel forced. No. Either. No. As the hours go on, some of the students reveal their true feelings for each other after realising that death is near. While some try to work together to get rid of the explosive necklaces or to survive as long as possible by making a pact. During the first six hours, we see 12 deaths with four by suicide. We get one by sickle to the neck. One accidentally gets an axe to the head and multiple shootings. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um... It's an interesting one because again, it's it's that um, sort of naive, kind of immature nature. Yeah. Where it's like, okay, we're all probably gonna die, but they're still holding on to these crushes, secret crushes, uh-huh. and then letting them out. Like, oh, I know, I really fancied you. Yeah. Oh, that I was secretly in love with you. Yeah, there are soap which opera moments in here. Very soap opera moments, which is rather poetic, really, but also in the context of what's happening, kind of comical. Yeah. Really. Um, kind of funny. It's like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> like, what, what do you want me to do about it now? <laughs> like, why have you held on to this for uh-huh. so long? And now you're telling me, just as I've just been shot four times, and I'm on deathbed, stop telling me. You see? Yeah. <laughs> like, what am I going to do? <laughs> but then you get, uh, <laughs> you get other people, like the bad bitch that is Mitsuko Suma. And uh, the uh, exchange student, Kazuo Kuriyama, who are just there to completely fuck shit up and they couldn't give a shit about anyone else. They're just there for survival. Yeah, I feel like... So Kazuo Kuriyama, I feel like it's... And I, I don't know if it's said in the film or not, but it feels... You know the end of Breakfast Club? Yeah. Where Ali Sheedy's character mm-hmm. is just like, well, I... I just had nothing better to do, so I came to detention. Yeah. Do you think it's kind of that situation? It, it seems like that, yeah. It's like, well, I, I just wanted to kill people. Yeah. You know, I was like, oh, can I join in? I'm mm-hmm. not sure. More than merrier. And uh, I have to say, you know, both of them slay, literally and figuratively as yeah. well. I mean, everyone's in uniform apart from the exchange students. Mm-hmm. Um but Kiriyama, I mean, he looks like something from Final Fantasy game. You know, his hair yeah. is always... I mean, even after being shot, even after an explosion, his hair is still in place. It's incredible. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and the other transfer student, Shogo Kawada, um, comes face-to-face with Shuya, Shuya but uh, lets him go after killing another student. And then that's when uh, Shuya accidentally kills someone with uh, axe to the head. Yeah, yeah, poor Shuya. He's only been given a pot lid as his weapon. Yeah. And uh, the guy, he's, he's trying to kill him with an axe. They have a, a minor scuffle where Shuya's trying to protect himself. And they roll down a hill and uh, he, the guy ends up with an axe in the head, which is a pretty f- funny visual. Because it's yeah. like sticking out uh-huh. of his head. It's like something from a cartoon, isn't it? Uh-huh. Um, yeah, he witnesses. So Shogo... Kawada, the, the other transfer student, witnesses that, but lets Shoya go after. He kind of realises that he just wants peace and he's only got a pot lid, so what, yeah. what's he going to do anyway? Like, really? Basketball player Shinji Mamura plots to hack into the computer system to disrupt the programme and in the process recruit some of his classmates. Yes. Um, the uh, Su- Suma, yeah. the uh, Slay Queen, she um, 
she has a tendency, doesn't she, to lure people into a false sense of security mm-hmm. or act innocent. Yeah. Before, almost like um, like a Black Widow. Yeah. And I think that's what's coming. And it very literally later on in the yeah. film. Um, but I thought it was interesting, her sort of issues that the girls had with her. They're, everyone accused her of being a slut, stealing boyfriends. Mm-hmm. She was kind of a loner. But yeah. more like more confident mm-hmm. than um than uh, what's her name? Noriko. N- N- yeah. More confident mm-hmm. than Noriko. So she wasn't necessarily bullied, but she no. was shamed and she was shunned. Yeah. And so this is kind of her getting her revenge. So a lot of what's playing out here is reflective of what was playing out in the classroom. And yeah. I find that very interesting as well. You know, those silly little arguments mm-hmm. that, that bullshit at the classroom yeah. that we're all aware of still plays out mm-hmm. even when everyone's holding guns and swords and knives and yeah tasers for god's sake and yeah and then you get people like nida who tries to use the situation for other things as well uh he harasses a student called shigusa and uh, she is absolutely slaying the house down. Boots in a yellow tracksuit. She is. She, yeah. She's giving Kill Bill. She is. She the bride. Is. Yeah. Uh, she was in Kill Bill Volume 1 and 2. She was. Yeah. Well, she lent them the outfit. She was like, I've got this. Do you want to wear it? Uh, but yeah, he harasses her with a crossbow. Uh, very sexually aggressive. Wants to know if she's still a virgin. Uh, and she says, I think you should be worrying more about your life instead of that flaccid thing in your pants. <laughs> they argue some more and uh, he accidentally shoots the crossbow before and gives her a massive scratch on her face. Uh, and uh, yeah, he then claims that he can force himself on her and she can't do anything about it. So she chases him with a knife and stabs him multiple times in the dick. Yes. And then uh, one in the stomach to finish him off. Yeah. And... Uh... Yeah, he's dead. But then she shot her. She is, yeah, unfortunately. Uh, and manages to escape for now. Uh, but Hiroki finds her and they tell each other how cool they are before she dies. Yeah, so she was having a... L- I, don't, I don't know what was happening. I think she was having a little flashback beforehand as she was running. Mm-hmm. And yeah, this Hiroki seems to be her love. Yeah. They're very good friends, but I think she wants it to be more yeah. than it is. But she's stuck being harassed with the duds mm-hmm. that she kills off. Yeah. And uh, yeah, unfortunately, she is killed. Yeah. After so much slayage. Yeah. Unfortunately. Um, amid shifting loyalties and violent confrontations, Shuya promises to keep Noriko safe. And feeling it a duty to his fallen friend because Kuninobu secretly loved her, and we get it, that's a that flashback is a very camp flashback of them on the bed and the guitar playing and yeah yeah it's straight out of like a teen drama yeah. isn't it it's like DeGracie <laughs> yeah yeah um Kawada reveals to Shoya and Noriko that he'd won a previous battle royale. At the cost of his girlfriend, who sacrificed herself to save him during the end of the last battle royale. 
as they were both the sole survivors. He decided to volunteer for the current Battle Royale game to avenge her death by winning the game and killing whoever was in charge at the end. Yeah. Which makes sense, mm-hmm. which is why he is more forgiving yeah. and you know less wanting to kill people. Mm-hmm. There's a guilt there, but also he's out for vengeance. Um, Kiriyama eventually attacks the three of them and Shoya is wounded by his Uzi but saved by Hiroki. Yeah. Kiriyama decapitates Toshinori, Oda, and stuffs a grenade in his mouth before throwing his head through the window. <laughs> Again, quite comical, yeah. really. Yeah. <laughs> this guy, you know, he's a grenade in his head and everyone's running away. Mm-hmm. Like, oh my God. Um, in my favourite scene <laughs> from the film... Shoya awakens in the island's lighthouse, bandaged by Yuki Utsumi, who, unsurprisingly, has a crush on him. Five other girls are also hiding in the building. (laughs) All of them have made a pact not to participate in the Battle Royale game. Yuko, who is fearful of Shoya after witnessing the axe incident from earlier, attempts to poison him out of fear of him killing them. However, one of the girls, Yuka, accidentally eats the food leading to the confrontation between the girls, which results in a shootout between them. It is real housewives. It is. It's, house down boots. Yeah. It's absolutely over the top, ridiculous, screaming. The the girl with glasses is just goes absolutely crazy. Yeah. And she's like, ah, oh, you fucking shot me, that hurt. And it just goes wild <laughs> shooting. Uh, Yuko is the only survivor... Because no one believed that she was the one that poisoned them because she's so meek and mild and quiet. <laughs> uh, but she's so horrified and full of guilt that she commits suicide by jumping to her death. Shoya, Nariko and Kawada set out to find Mimura. Yeah, he's this. just like, yeah, fuck this, I'm not getting involved. I'm going. They're he, all dead he, anyway. Yeah, he gives, he gives a moment of mourning, doesn't he? He's yeah. like, oh no. And he's like, okay, I've got to go now. We've got to find Mimura. Um, yeah, I just thought it was so ridiculous. Just the arguing, the slamming of the soup yeah. on the table. Uh, what was the soup? Was it chicken and sweet corn? It looked like it. It did. Uh, the slamming, the screaming, just the oh, so over the top. I loved it. And it was, for me, the first time I watched the most memorable scene. Yeah. Because it was, it was strange, because I still kind of felt for them, even though mm-hmm. they weren't very developed as characters. It kind of, for me, encapsulated a lot of what about what the film's about. Yeah. Where, you know, paranoia mm-hmm. and infighting. And at the uh, at the end, you know, one of the girls says, Idiots, we might have all survived. <laughs> Which is kind of true. Yeah. They had is. worked together. So a huge theme of this film, mm-hmm. I feel, is the idea that working together creates results yeah. rather than infighting and bickering and childishness. And yes, they are kids, but the idea that if they had all banded together, mm-hmm. that they could have actually made it out alive. Yeah. And they could have, you know, you know, survived. Yeah. And it, but it only takes one paranoid person to 
to fuck it all up. Mm-hmm. Because paranoia creates paranoia, creates suspicion, creates violence. And before you know it, everybody's dead. Mm-hmm. And just because people couldn't trust each other. Yeah. And couldn't work together. Yeah. I just have next in my, in my notes, die you ugly bitch. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, whilst this is happening, um, it's revealed that Misuko Suma has killed two classmates after luring them into what appears to be a threesome. Mm-hmm. We just see the aftermath. So we see two naked guys with their private areas missing. Yeah. And uh, Suma standing over them, pretty pleased with her work. So we kind of... What I feel has happened is that the more she kills, the more she realises she actually quite enjoys it. Yeah. And, I mean, this is literally Black Widow. Mm-hmm. Luring them into a threesome and killing them. Yeah. Come on, you know. Black Widow. It explains itself. Uh, but I feel like she's getting more confident and more aggressive. Kitano has what I thought was a dream... But it's actually a flashback, seemingly, mm-hmm. according to the notes, uh, about eating ice lollies on a beach with Noriko. Yeah. Now, I saw this, and I, I don't know how you interpreted this Kitano-Noriko situation. So, Kitano has issues with his family. Mm-hmm. He's a very unhappy man. Um, He was very unhappy as a teacher as well. So, this is all born of being very unhappy and being, you know, not happy with how his life has turned out. Mm-hmm. The people around him. So I feel for many ways, he's taken that out on the students. Yeah. And if you look at it in terms of a social commentary, the older generation has taken their frustrations out on the younger generation because things haven't turned out Mm -hmm. for them as they had hoped yeah through whoever's fault government their own whatever because their lives haven't turned out the way that they thought they blame the younger generation and punish the younger generation Mm -hmm. with katano though i don't know if this sort of i don't know if it's an infatuation is it a romantic thing or is it a, you know, I wish my daughter was like you kind of thing with Noriko? Now, he says later on, essentially, he wished his daughter was like her. Mm-hmm. But do you think there's a little bit of him being a bit of a perv as well? Maybe, maybe. I just think he kind of looked at her like some sort of weird daughter. I don't know whether it was pervy but i think the option is there to read into it like that i think maybe potentially we could there's nothing expressed in in the film to say that Mm. you know that he has a sexual attraction for her Mm -hmm. but (sighs) definitely there's he she is the the one that he's sort of drawn to but it's weird that she has the same dream it's in the same flashback. It's a, it is a flashback. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is a flashback. She has that same thing and she says it was a dream. Because mm. she says, yeah. she describes it. So, yeah. Which I thought was really strange because then that, that kind of like, that led me to think, oh, okay, is there going to be some sort of twist here and that's actually going to be his daughter? Yeah. Yeah, I'm glad he didn't do that. Yeah. But yeah, and it's just, it's an interesting 
idea, isn't mm-hmm. it? You know. Yes. Meanwhile, Kuriyami, Kuriyama meets Mitsuko and kills her after a short battle, making Noriko the last surviving girl. Well, just before that, so so Shoya has flashbacks to his father's sort of erratic behaviour, like yeah. I touched on earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, he shouts in a restaurant and then he commits suicide. And that's when we find out that on his suicide note, seemingly written on toilet paper, it looks like toilet it paper, is, doesn't yeah. it? Um, he goes, go Shoya, you can do it Shoya. Which is, you know, a very, very strange suicide note. Um, and then Noriko is held at gunpoint by Mitsuko, who berates her for being a princess, relying on the protection of two men. Mm-hmm. And then Katano turns up. So yeah. He's actually reliant on the protection of three men because uh, Mitsuko is going to kill her. That's when she says, "Die, you ugly bitch." Yeah. But, okay. But oh, runs yeah. off because Katano's turned up. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's it's a, it's a weird one because I it kind of I think for me Mitsuko is jealous that she has two men yeah. looking out for her. You know and. Obviously with Katana as well. So she's probably very angry at that. And then uh, Hiroku is shot by a frightened Kyoko Kotohiki. Uh, she's seemingly been able to hide for the duration. Mm-hmm. Uh, very scared. Alone. Yeah. And uh, she shoots him out of fear. Um, but then... As is a pattern in this film, he confesses his love for her... <laughs> And uh, after he shot, he says, "You're so pretty." <laughs> oh God! What what would they call that on the internet? Is it simp? Is, is, is that it what they simp? Call yeah, it? someone I, I someone's no just repeatedly shot you. And you're like, "Oh, you're so pretty." I always did love you. <laughs> run, run before they get you. Before they hear the shots that you just killed me with. <laughs> But it's a bit sad because obviously Hiroki was the um, the crush of the Slay Queen from earlier. Yeah. So, so mm. much unrequited love mm. in this film. It's very sad, very poetic. Yeah. Very poetic. <laughs> but yeah, afterwards, uh, Kiriyama appears and kills Mitsuko after a very short battle, mm-hmm. um, making Noriko the last surviving girl. And uh, after Mitsuko dies it, on the screen, uh, it happens sporadically through yeah. the film, doesn't it? When someone dies, they have like a final word on the screen. And hers is, I just didn't want to be a loser anymore. Yeah. So, I mean, that's quite sad, really. I, I was disappointed it wasn't Die Your Ugly Bitch again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it's a bit sad. It so is. This, this comes from a place of feeling like an outsider, mm-hmm. feeling like a loser. Yeah. No one likes her jealousy, yeah. really. Um, jealous of what other people have, mm-hmm. and she takes it out aggressively. Yeah. You know, in- very interesting, very multifaceted character. Yeah. You know, and um, I do feel like there might be some romantic fan fiction out there for Kiriyama <laughs> and Mitsuko, don't you? Um, I bet they make a good couple. Maybe. Good couple too. They're a Bonnie and Clyde type. Yeah. I bet there's got to be some fan fiction out there. <laughs> um, Mimura, with two of us, successfully infiltrates the JSDF's computer system and glitches the entire system whilst the soldiers begin to panic. 
causing Katana to manually reset the whole system. But Kuriyama arrives and kills them, but not before Mimura uses his homemade bomb to blow up the base to hide all the evidence and kill Kuriyama. So yes. You think. Yeah. So Mimura potentially had a way out for everyone. Yeah. yeah. Him and his friends worked together mm-hmm. and found a solution. Yeah. I mean, this and that includes Kuriyama. You know, he could have got out of there. He could have got out yeah. of there. But he didn't want to. No. So there's one person in the system who doesn't want it to work yeah. and fucks it up for everybody else. Mm-hmm. Again, you know, that paranoia, that's, you know, one bad apple sort of thing, not working together. If everyone had gathered together and helped Mimura, mm-hmm. then they probably could have helped kill off Kiriyama yeah. when he attacked. Mm-hmm. But everyone separated, everyone got paranoid, everyone flapped, got, you know, either angry or upset. And, you know, now we're down to down to the line. There's mm-hmm. only a few people, what, four people left now? Yeah. You know, from, what, 38? Yeah. You know, kind of, it's interesting. It's a really interesting plot point. Yeah. When the main trio arrives at the burning base, Kawada engages in a gun battle with Kuriyama, uh, who survived the explosion, but had both his eyes burned out by the explosion. What a great visual. Yeah, so that is a great visual. This is the most memorable thing for me from when I first watched it. Mm. Like, this this whole... I mean, despite the CGI fire, this entire sequence looks amazing. I have to say, I don't know if... I wasn't really looking, but I didn't notice it was CGI. No, I don't think I did the first time, but this probably time around. Not, well, probably not, like, not in 4K on a 17 Well, yeah, we, we did watch it in 4K this time, so it's a little more noticeable. <laughs> when, when, it was, when it was back in, like, 2004, yeah. <laughs> I didn't notice. No. Uh, during the shootout, Kawada is injured by Kuriyami's uh, Uzi, uh, whilst Kawada manages to hit the explosive column on Kawada's neck, Causing his entire head to explode. Yes. Just ending. A just end for yeah. uh, an arsehole. Yeah. Because he fucked it up. He, he, essentially, him being there fucked it up for everyone. Mm-hmm. You know, when they could have worked together. But then also they allowed their petty squabbles from the classroom yeah. to interfere. Yeah, just to confirm, it was uh, Kuriyama's head that explodes. I just got the name mixed up there. Yeah, Kuriyama. Um... Yeah, on the final day, the trio awakens at shore of the island and Kawada, aware of the caller's intention, in, intentional internal microphones, tells Shoya and Noriko that only one survivor will make it out alive and seemingly kills them both by shooting them. Yeah, so we're not aware of that as a as a viewer mm-hmm. that he knows. So we think that he's killed them. Yeah. And it's very sad. Yeah. Because we've actually, I mean, th- this is the connections we have now. Yeah. You know, with these two, we mm-hmm. want them to survive. But we also want him to survive as well. Yeah, and we're not the only ones disappointed because Katano is also disappointed and ends the game early. Well, not early, I mean, the game's over. And uh, and shuts off the entire system after hearing about the apparent death through the speaker, telling the soldiers to end the operation and go home. Yes, Katano waits alone for the winner to return, doing some sort of exercises, yes. wasn't he? Yeah. Alone. 
it's hard to read him as a character. Yeah. Is he happy? Mm-hmm. Has he got what he wanted? Has the, you know, Battle Royale made him any happier than he was before? Mm-hmm. Is he satisfied with the ending? It's hard to read. Yeah. I don't think he is. No, well, I mean, I think at this point when he thinks that Nariko's dead, then no, I don't think he is happy. No. Um, which we get a little more context of. I mean, I say a little more context. It's just more of a reveal of how weird he is around her. Yeah. Um, and ultimately, what did he think the Rico would do? If she was the yeah. sole survivor, as he had seemingly hoped, mm-hmm. what did he expect her to do? Yeah. You know, live with him as his makeshift daughter? Mm-hmm. Be grateful. Yeah. You know, be happy with the situation. Yeah. Well, as Kawada arrives alone, he brings him into the base to be declared the winner, but quickly realises that Kawada hacked the system months beforehand, meaning Memora and his team were not the real hackers. Kawada had also disabled Shuya and Noriko's tracking devices, so he tricked Kitano into believing the two were dead. And they both arrive and confront him in the control room. Where he reveals a homemade painting of the massacred class with his hope for the outcome of the Battle Royale game. Depicting Noriko as the sole survivor and revealing his feelings towards her as she was one of the few students who treated him nice as their teacher. Which causes Noriko to go into a panic. Painting, 10 out of 10. Did a great job. (laughs) High detail. It's a lovely painting. High detail. Bob Ross would be proud. Yeah. Um, makes himself look like a massive stalker. Um, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, no. I mean, he also predicted very well with all the deaths. He did. Yeah, he did, actually. They all went the exact way he predicted. <laughs> he did. He did. Um, interesting that um, Kawada had hacked into the system months beforehand. Yeah. And that he in many ways could have saved everyone yeah, he could have stopped it immediately <laughs> it's it's a weird one yeah i don't i don't really understand i i think he why didn't care. he was a character yeah i don't think i think if he didn't meet the other two then i don't think he'd have cared who lived or who died he was just doing it to get to the end to get to um to katano yeah but uh, yeah i mean yeah, he did let all those people die. <laughs> he did, but I suppose would anyone have believed? No, him? no. This is ultimately the question. If he had gone to them and said, "Hey, I've hacked into the system. Mm-hmm. I've got a way for us all to survive and get out here alive," you know, would they have number one believed him? Yeah, and not tried to kill him. Yeah. Secondly, his whole intention is revenge. Hmm. So he probably wouldn't have cared too much about saving anyone else. No. Because his intention was revenge. Mm-hmm. He had a singular, you know, goal yeah. in mind and kind of sacrificed everyone else mm-hmm. to do that. Yeah. But which it, is also quite interesting. Yeah. But at the same time, as much as he hacked into the system, he clearly didn't know how to turn off the microphones either. No. So he couldn't really tell anyone because they would have heard him. That's true. Also, in many ways, he's kind of a bit like um, 
Kitano. Yeah. In the sense that he was shown he has an anger mm. and he has, you know, an issue. Yeah. But he was shown some affection. Mm-hmm. He was shown some kindness and decency. Yeah. But still didn't quite be able to save everyone mm-hmm. because of that. You know, it's, yeah. it's an interesting parallel yeah. between the two characters. Um, Gitano also reveals that he was unable to bear the hatred between him and his students, having been rejected by his own daughter, and confesses that he always thought of Noriko as a daughter. Yeah, he asks her specifically to kill him. Yeah. So it hasn't made him any happier. No. It hasn't. He doesn't feel fulfilled. Uh Uh-huh. The violence that he's created in some strange act of revenge against the generation that he feels has wronged him hasn't actually made him feel fulfilled. Even with Noriko's survival, Mm -hmm. it's not enough. No. And so he decides that, you know, he wants to die now. Yeah. And he wants Noriko to kill him. Yeah. But she can't do it, so Shoya shoots him, uh, and then he takes out a gun and threatens them, but it's a water gun. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So Shoya shoots him because he thinks that Katana's going to shoot them. But it turns out it's a water gun. He's mm-hmm. like, oh, that hurt. Yeah. <laughs> he's surprised yeah. when he's got two people in front of him who have been shot uh-huh. within the last three days. <laughs> As if it's news to them uh-huh. that being shot hurts. Um, Kitano seemingly dies from his wounds, but gets up. You know, this is black comedy. This is, yeah. you know, he gets up to answer his cell phone, which starts to ring. Katana's daughter has called him, and after an argument in which Katano finally tells his daughter what he really thinks of her, he dies of his wounds yeah. on the sofa. Yeah. Is this where she says he has bad breath? It can, she can smell over the phone. Yeah. <laughs> um, the trio leaves the island on... A, I, I think his relationship with his daughter is an interesting one, mm. because obviously... He's tied every young person with the same brush. Yeah. And Taylor's oldest time. Mm-hmm. You know, how many people have we heard or witnessed say, oh, the youth of today. Yeah. Oh, the youth of today. They're all the same. Oh, the youth of today. And to a, a, another extent, you know, when people tie groups together. Yeah. Different races or people from different countries, Mm -hmm. or people of different sexualities, tie them all with the same brush. You know, one person's like that, so they all must be like that. Yeah. Stereotyping. Yeah. So his daughter is is an arsehole. But from what we're hearing, Mm -hmm. his daughter's an arsehole. Yeah. And therefore the youth of today, Mm -hmm. oh, they don't show any respect. They're not this, they're not that. They don't, you know, they don't need nurturing. Mm-hmm. You know, even a bright light in there, you know, um, this name, keep, I keep forgetting it, Naroko. Yeah. Even a bright light like Naroko mm. gets pushed to this island yeah. to fight for her life. Yeah. Because the people around her 
are assholes. Mm-hmm. You know, she's a victim as well. But yeah, his daughter didn't get chosen. No. No. Yeah. Because his daughter is probably part of the elite. Yeah. His daughter is, you know, spoiled. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I don't really understand his, you know, he was a teacher, but yeah. he must have some sort of power to be mm-hmm. able to do all this. Yeah. You know, whatever, because obviously, has, has it been, what, two or three years mm-hmm. since the stabbing? Yeah. So whatever he's done since then, yeah. you know, he might be in a position of great power and she benefits from that. Mm-hmm. You know, she probably goes to a more uphill yeah. school. A more yeah. like a private school. Uh-huh. You know? It's interesting. The trio, a uh, heroic trio, leave the island on a boat, but Kawada dies from his injuries, happy that he'd found friendship. Yeah. Shoya and Noriko are declared fugitives by the Japanese government, last seen on the run towards Shibuya Station. Sometime later, Noriko sneaks out of her house to meet Shoya, giving Shoya the Seto Dragon Claw butterfly knife Kuninobu used to injure Katano at the beginning. They then flee together into the early Tokyo morning. Yeah, and we get the end credits to Shizukana Hibi no Kaiden Wo by Dragon Ash. Yeah, which I really, I quite like. Not actually. available on Spotify. What I really like with the soundtrack, and it's something we haven't touched on actually, but it's mm-hmm. very interesting, is the use of classical music. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't. Is it a money saving thing? Because it's I, all in public domain. I but... don't know. It, it is a <laughs> but great. But it really works. Yeah. It really it does work very well. Um, I thought quite hilariously, uh, Noriko as they're sailing away from the island, she says it's beautiful, even though it's where everyone died. Yeah. Do you think maybe there's a little bit of satisfaction for Noriko as well? She's not. She's not a character that's given too much to say. No. But, you know, we watch the film, we can, you know, um, make assumptions Uh (laughs) if we wish. Do you think that maybe she's a bit like, glad some of those bitches died? Yeah, maybe, (laughs) maybe, potentially. Those fuckers. Yeah. (laughs) She was bullied, you know? It's true. She was bullied, and... She didn't actually kill anyone herself, no. did she? No, not really, no. She didn't, no. But that's Battle Royale. That is Battle Royale. And yes, an American remake had been in development since the early 2000s, but producer Roy Lee reportedly obtained the rights in 2006, and after the release of The Hunger Games, he stated the project had been cancelled because audiences would just see it as a copy of The Hunger Games and wouldn't realise that Battle Royale came first. I'm... I'm shocked that there was never an American remake. Yeah. Earlier than the Hunger Games. Yeah. I uh, I'm not surprised that there was uh, there was one in in the works. Yeah, because the remakes of Japanese film, popular Japanese films started as early as 2002. Mm. So yeah, it's very surprising. But yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty sure by the time. Uh, Battle Royale had come out. Mm-hmm. There was talks of an American remake of The Ring. Yeah, definitely Ringu. But yeah, Battle Royale is uh, a classic. A classic it is. that does everything right, and I really think it's one of the best action films of the two thousands. Yeah, it manages to get a lot in there 
Yeah. For what is a very sort of action-packed film. Yeah. You know, it, it doesn't... It's not slow. It goes. Yeah. It's a hundred from the start. Mm -hmm. It goes. But still manages to give us character development when yeah. necessary. Yeah. It's like I said earlier in the episode, you know, that many characters in one film and still getting developed characters and people you care about, you know, it's... Yeah. It's, it's a great balance. Yeah. Social commentary is fascinating. But, you know, it doesn't beat you over the head. With no. It. it doesn't like, you have to see this social commentary. Mm -hmm. Look at me. I'm making a statement. You know, you can just watch it. Like the first time I watched it, I watched it and I was highly entertained. Um, yeah, it's quite gruesome yeah. at points. Yeah. But, you know, it has to be. Yeah, it's, it's very well made. I'm, I'm pretty sure. Hitting. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's what everyone would want from it. <laughs> yeah, no, but some people, you know, some people don't like big sprays of blood everywhere. And, and... I'm sure those aren't the people <laughs> listening to this podcast. Well, you know. Well. No, we no, I, we... I'm 100% certain they're not the people listening We've to this podcast. We've had episodes on William Castle before and, you know. I, th I thought you were going to say Willie then. <laughs> Willie? <laughs> Lots of episodes on that's, that. That's horror court trash over After Dark. <laughs> yeah. So, should we go to the awards? Oh, yeah. It's award season. Yes. yes. I mean, it is every week for us. No, um, biggest true. queen. Um, it's, uh, you know what? There's, there's a few options here. But I'm going to go with Nariko just because she managed to survive to the end. And that's impressive. Yeah, good honour for doing that. I went with Mitsuko Suma. Yeah. Because, you know, she's a bad bitch and she owned she it. She was, yeah. You know, okay, she was... Probably, if you look at it, she was probably in the wrong. You know, she probably shouldn't have killed all those people, but she, she kind of stayed. Yeah. Well, she did. Biggest gasp, I've got Kuninobu's uh, Death by Collar. Yes, definitely. Definitely the first time I watched it, it was a shock. It was a gasp. I completely agree. Yeah. Best dialogue, I have. I think you should be worrying more about your life instead of that flaccid thing in your pants. <laughs> I went with idiots. We might have all survived because I, I just think it sums up the the big theme of the film. Not die, you ugly bitch. Wow. Not die, you ugly bitch. No. And that I went for something a little more nuanced, just... a little more, uh, a bit more clever. And that's camp. I have the lighthouse girls argument over who poisoned Yuka. Absolutely. The fight over the chicken and sweet corn soup. Yeah. High camp. Definitely loved it. Uh, ratings, I give it 10 ugly bitches out of 10. Uh, I give it 10 flaccid things in your pants out of 10. And Masterpiece, Trash to Piece, Trash or Basic, it is a masterpiece. Masterpiece, everyone should watch it. And if you want to watch it, it's available on Blu-ray, 4K, DVD, Video On Demand, Mubi, Shudder, BFI Player and Arrow Player. So there is no excuse, it's everywhere. Put it on right now. Yeah. And if you enjoyed this, I recommend checking out The Hunt, which was a surprisingly good film released just before lockdown uh, from Blumhouse. Controversial. Controversial. It? it was controversial. Yeah. yeah. It was, but we enjoyed it. Well, yeah, it, it pissed off all the right people. Well, we agreed with the politics, yeah. so we enjoyed it. <laughs> um, if you enjoyed this, I say check out Series 7, The Contenders. Okay. Uh, a film I watched many years ago directly because of Battle Royale. And it's an American film, and it's essentially people being forced into a game of murdering each other for reality TV. 
came out the year mm-hmm. after, 2001, so way ahead of its time, you know, before Hunger Games, all of that. And, uh, yeah, more of an emphasis on murder for entertainment, but some similar themes there. Yeah. Yeah, really good. I, I uh, highly recommend yeah. Series 7, The Contenders. Oh, and also, um, The Hunt, saying we agree with the politics, I don't think they actually established what the politics were in the film. Oh, it was a difficult one, wasn't it? Yeah. Because essentially the film was... It started off with Republicans being killed. Yeah. Or, or right-wing people being killed. But then it turned out that our heroine had voted Republican. Yeah, it's a and very Hillary mixed. Swank was the bad guy in it. Yeah. Even though she but was the left-wing I, one. I've just told everyone to watch it. You've just spoiled it for them. Oh, no. Um, but... <laughs> But either way, either way, um, it pissed off all the Republicans, so it it did what it needed to do. Well, it it pissed it, it pissed people off in that quintessential way of people heard something about the film, yeah. didn't actually watch it, and then made assumptions. Yeah, and then it got overblown. Yeah, but it's a good film. Um, yeah. So uh, all I can think of is uh, sorry to to uh, to little tangent here, but have you watched any of those videos of? People pretending that the vaccine has given them the uh no <laughs> oh, God. they're going around like proper like right wing um make america great again people they're filming themselves with like tremors they're saying from the vaccine <laughs> but so many of them are filming them themselves but the camera's like really still <laughs> and they're just like legs are shaking and like these tremors but people are doing like loads of different like why memes. why are they still going on about this fucking what about the vaccine like, i have no idea no one is forcing them to get it you know i know but it's so funny keep it to yourself it doesn't remind me of that that's very much the type of people in the hunt yeah anyway um yeah so we are horrible trash over on facebook and instagram horrible trash on twitter i'm delight gas 92 on letterboxd gasmo 205 on instagram and gas cruise 92 on twitter i'm chris barker 823 on letterboxd and uh instagram and since the last episode we've made a gasp announcement yeah and uh if you've missed it we are gasp horror fest across all social media we've announced that the closing film on the festival will be gasper noe's climax and that's the real biggest gasp of the season. It is. Uh, Five-year anniversary screening of a film that is essential viewing on the big screen. Ten out of ten. Classic. Fifth-year anniversary. If you ain't seen it, come and join us. Watch it with a group of people because it's a fantastic film. Yeah. And if you have seen it, come watch it with us because we're a great company. Yeah. And stay for the whole festival. Like, Absolutely. I mean, you'd have to get through the whole festival to get to it, so. That's also true. <laughs> um, but yes, uh, festival passes and single tickets are going to be on sale very soon, so keep an eye out for that. Uh, give us a rate of review and subscribe on iTunes. I can follow on everything else. We will be back on Friday with our original versus remake Japanuary special, where we'll be discussing The Ring. Yes, the first kind of... Yeah, that Japanese is the one that screaming. launched the J-horror being taken over by America yeah. thing. After Godzilla 1998. Well, yeah. I don't think that started it. We don't talk about that. <laughs> and uh, next week, we'll be back with our final January episode where we'll be discussing Perfect Blue. Yes. So many classic films. Yeah. 
It's been a great month. Yeah. Uh, and we'll be back same time, same place on Friday. Bye. Bye.